for audio listeners, that's the sound of a cat breaking its neck. <laughs> Ran full force at a brick wall. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass Reverend Gaming Podcast from Affable Idiots. I'm one of your hosts, Chad. <coughs> Michael Innes. <coughs> Don't sip Mountain Dew like it's tea. And we've got our regular co-host here, Adam. Oh, sip that tea so hard, Gumbert. How are you, Adam? Oh, that's good content. Mm -mm. Mm. It's lemonade, actually, not tea. Very good, very good. And with us again, our RAF regular, Alex. Sipping on some scissors. Cozina, how are you, Alex? Bonjour, bonjour, tous les gars. Oh, comment allez-vous? Now, I know you're probably wondering, oh, that's interesting, Cozy. Why are you speaking French right now? Well, I'm speaking French because, of course, because you're Montreal is a bilingual city. Indeed, it is French-Canadian. We all speak French around here. No other reason why I could be speaking French after curiously being absent from the show for three weeks in a row. No reason Is it whatsoever. because you played a French game knack. called Pajama Pete's Squeaky Feet or something? <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. No, no, no. If you've been following me over on Twitter, uh, you'll know mm -hmm. that I recently went on a big, longish, two-week European vacation. Went to ye old London, ye old UK, aka England. Went to Amsterdam, where I went to a crazy-ass wedding for my cousin Michael. And then after Ass that, wedding. I scoot, scoot, scooted over to Gay Paris <laughs> in France, uh, where I had many a croissant, for real, uh, and many other good foods. Let me tell you, it was... Quite the vacation, and I have quite the video game-related story involving this vacation coming up on this podcast. And Alex, you officially just got us banned from Florida because you said oh, gay shit. on the podcast. Oh, no. Way to go. Oh, damn. Our whole DeSantis giant user base in Florida. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. All zero of them. <laughs> That's fantastic, Alex. I am just now realizing this is the first time we're talking about this on the podcast. Right. Um, I guess because we asked you about it last week when we recorded... <laughs> pitch perfect but right the chronology of things is such that literally two days like not even 48 hours after coming back from europe we did uh our installment of pitch perfect for the month of july uh which of course you'll be able to listen to in just a couple of days if you've subscribed to us over on patreon um and let me tell you that episode went great but i was definitely out of it that entire time like i don't have many memories of it because i was very jet lagged during the recording but yeah we did not talk at all about that vacation during that podcast because you had to skedaddle very quickly and we all kind of left shortly after that um, well tell me your yeah. without saying gay again tell me your top three favorite things you did the entire trip Ooh, top three favorite things Oof. putting me on the spot here um so something that I actually DM'd you privately about, because you may or may not be going to uh, London on your own time soon, uh, is me, my sister, and my cousin uh, went to a magic-themed bar called The Cauldron. And the whole idea is it's reservation only. Basically, you're brought down into this basement. They seat you at a table, and they're like, all right, uh, first off, we're going to go over to these giant monster heads. You're going to bow before them to show them proper respect, and they're going to fill up your receptacles with all manner of magical alcoholish drinks that you'll uh, love to appreciate. And then after that, it's like, all right, uh, choose from the Magic Potion Cauldron book what 
magical drinks you want to make you choose your drinks and they're like all right they bring out not only the ingredients that you need to make said drinks but all sorts of weird like apparatuses and uh, trinkets and doodads and you basically have to like play potion maker slash alchemist and like make the drink yourself using the power of magic and friendship and love that was really fun that's amazing i also love that friendship and love are distinct from magic and they are not themselves inherently magical it, it's all linked though it, it's part of the the triforce of magic as it were um after that uh, I'm, I'm gonna do one per country uh in amsterdam i referenced it earlier we went to my uh cousin michael's wedding let me tell you i've been to a lot of weddings in my time that one i, I would say like pretty definitively was the best i've ever been to yes adam question do you have you been on more weddings than Joel? <laughs> uh, how many weddings has Joel been to? He Joel did one every weekend wedding. for about a year. Wow. Joel's like, <laughs> what do you want to do tonight? You want to eat hamburgers or you want to go to a wedding? And his wife's like, I guess we could just go see who's getting married at the church tonight. And I'm just like, that's his that's his idea of joy. It's just going to but weddings. I want to hear about I want to hear about this wow. wedding more, but that's just funny that you guys both go to a lot of weddings, apparently. Yeah, so the thing about this wedding in Amsterdam, right, is our entire trip was centered around it. Uh, my cousin Michael had announced that he was going to be doing this wedding in Amsterdam a year out to give us all ample time to prepare for it. A lot of us were still like a little bit peeved about it because it's like, you know, a huge ask to be like, hey, displace yourself from Montreal and North America and travel to an entirely different continent uh, and go have a wedding there. Um, but man, let me tell you, he really made it worth it. We had a, you know, short little non-religious ceremony where they talked about their experience meeting each other and how much they love each other. Uh, April spritzes were just getting traded left and right. They were popping champagne Asshole too. Spritzes? By the time that, no, Aperol spritz, which I, by the way, <laughs> okay. for the record, I mispronounced as an apple spritz because I thought it was apple flavored. It's not. That sounds it's like a delicious drink. Flavored. Spelled A-P-E-R-O-L. It's very good. Very good. Definitely have a few of them when you pop into Amsterdam, France, and or Italy because they're very tasty. They uh, look like about, if you mix ketchup and orange soda together. That's what it looks like to me. It definitely tastes... Right. Definitely tastes much better than ketchup. Please don't be deterred by that. Anyways, had a good 10 of those, plus a couple of uh, champagnes by the time we got on the boat. Because, yes, there was a boat after the ceremony. Step one foot on the boat. Guess what song they start playing? That's right. They start playing the Smokeweed. No, the Smokeweed Everyday song by one Snoop Doggy oh. Dog, a.k.a. Snoop Lion. And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> About two minutes onto the boat ride i'm like oh man i am way too drunk right now i think i might legit fall over but i keep things together uh boat ride lasts about an hour honestly totally fine with that go and have dinner it's a nice you know fancy dinner all sorts of steaks and whatnots uh after that we do a little bit of dancing and then they're like all right that's good guess what now it's time for the after party that begins at 12 a.m and they basically Disgusting. bust us over to a tower uh, just north of Amsterdam Central Station and like the kind of main river that flows through the city. Forget what it's called. Anyways, basically, we got to go up to this like private space on top of this tower overlooking the city. And let me tell you, the, the booze, the drugs, the snacks only continued from there. It was like he I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how expensive all of this was, but he went all out and I'll never forget it. That's amazing. I also I also went to a wedding this weekend and there was an after party that lasted until 4 a.m. And Ooh. I said, I will see you all later at 1230. And I said, nope. 
I am an adult and I have to drive and go on a plane tomorrow for a very long time. Yeah, good on you. Um, what was I was going to say? I was going to joke and say that uh, the food was the best part of France. The food was very good in France. Um, last time I was in France, we went to Versailles. Uh, which is that uh, big old chungus of a house? Yeah, for you, for you Americans, that's Versailles. Yeah, Versailles. Versailles. Yeah, big old chungus <laughs> of a house that all the old French nobles lived in before they decided to off with their heads. Uh, I mean, the house itself, you know, it's a big house. There's a lot of cool looking rooms, but in the evening they corral this all into the garden, which is <laughs> one of those just like immaculate, like impossible gardens that you don't think is actually real, and they put on. One hell of a pyrotechnics and fireworks show there that I thought was very enjoyable to experience. So here we go. There is, you said chungus. Are you? Did, was that a, a? Do you do you know what the chungus is? Big chungus. I, I'm just referencing the, the the what is it like the old Jimquisition like Roger Rabbit, Rita Rabbit. What's his name? Bugs I, Bunny. So the Bugs yes, Bunny. Thing. Okay. Yes. I was not aware of this meme before just now, and I googled it. And yes, there really? is a, what? Is a really? fat Bugs Bunny they, called yeah. Big Chungus. Like and Big Chungus is in Space Jam too. I was going to say Space Jam Two. It was like one of those things where like it existed as just like a meme, and then they yeah, it made its way into movies and games proper. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's very good. Well, Alex, I'm glad you had such a great time. Thank you again for your... He wrote me uh, a bunch of recommendations for places when I go, and I will tell you... I didn't get any of that. If I enjoyed the Chungus as yeah, well. Yeah, I didn't get any of that. I'm just going to give you... I'm going to give you a forewarning, Chad. Mm-hmm. One of those recommendations that I gave you is actually a trap, and it's actually infested mm-hmm. with spiders. But you won't know until you go there, so you'll have to choose Joke's carefully. on you. I'm a quarter Cherokee spider. Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. We are going to uh, continue our intro and say you can catch us on twitch.tv slash on Sunday evenings, usually at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We know we're recording on Monday this time. I was at a wedding. Shut up. YouTube and podcast services Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time as well. We've got some things to talk about. We've got some... I got Jer- breaking news. Oh, my God. The pace Alex of the got to talk about today. his trip. I was going to talk about his trip. After interrupt- okay. One, before you talk about your thing... We're mm-hmm. gonna put a cap. We're gonna put a cap on this tabernacle discussion going what? on. I'm chat. just that is like, like I, I spent the past ten live. minutes. I spent the past ten minutes talking about my trip to Europe. <laughs> I was not paying attention to the chat, but I saw that you guys were talking very animatedly get, about something there. Why were you talking about the Ark of the Covenant in there? <laughs> okay, so when you started talking French, I said tabernacle, which I know is what is it? Is it like this is like a drop it's the tabernacle, and it's a now. very it is a very specifically French Canadian insult. The people in yeah. France don't really use it. Okay, so it's French Canadian. I knew it's a thing French Canadian said, and that led us to talking about the tabernacle, which my stepdad taught a course on when I was a kid. Okay. And Chad had no idea what it really was, but it was basically a tent. It was like the first like church. It was a place of worship. It was a covered tent, and the Jews would move it throughout Egypt or whatever that area is. And it's supposed to be where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, was inside the tabernacle. And then I guess eventually it became a permanent church at some point. I don't remember because I was like seven when he taught this class and I don't really care. But I remember all about the tabernacle because he taught that course for like eight weeks. I like to imagine that this was not a course at like a school or community college or a Sunday school, but this was just something that he posted flyers on telephone poles that said, hey, I'm teaching this at my house on Wednesdays. Hey guys, by the way, (laughs) come on over. 
talking about the tabernacle. It was interesting stuff. I don't remember most of it. I just think it was like purple and the Ark of the Covenant. That's all I cared about because I just watched Indiana Jones. It was like mm-hmm. Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. You have my, I'm intrigued. All right. That was all right. It. Um, we are now going to go for a breaking disruption from Adam. Oh, actually, I have a bigger idea, bigger thing. I don't know what that means. That, the thing I was actually talking about. I'm on Discussing Film Twitter, which has 1.1 million followers. And the latest update is Mr. On, Beast on stars on X. Yeah. Mr. Beast stars in TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Huh. Good for Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. He, uh, he's very famous, Chad. I see a picture of him in, with a Nickelodeon background. There was a live My Brother, My Brother and Me taping uh, a couple months ago, and the episode was just released on podcast services earlier, and one of the audience members say, how do I tell people I'm not Mr. Beast? And apparently he looked just like Mr. Beast. But it was an audio recording, so I could not confirm. But quick, I, that's the only time I've ever heard of Mr. Beast. Quick timeout. Quick timeout. Uh, Chad, <clears throat> yes. when you advertised that the show was going live over on Twitter slash X, uh, you said, mm-hmm. we're live now on Twitch.tv slash Affable Idiots, talking about great news for Xbox JRPG fans and more. Come hang out with us and tell us what your favorite Kong is in the chat. And I swear uh, to God, we're going to talk about video games eventually. You responded to it <laughs> by saying, it's definitely Baby Kong, because that guy can somersault like nobody's business. And then you posted a GIF of a character from Donkey Kong Country 3, called kitty kong not baby kong now i will say you're totally right i will say donkey kong country 3 a very underrated platformer i think it's one of the most underrated games on the snes kitty kong is definitely the weakest part of that game they definitely should not have swapped out donkey kong and diddy kong for a literal baby kong but Nevertheless, I just figured that I needed to correct you. Hold on, 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 hold on. You don't know I was referring to Donkey Kong Country 3. Because Baby Kong is the infant son of King Kong and Lady Kong, who appears at the end of the 1986 film King Kong Lives. I was going to ask, is it King Kong's kid? Because he definitely has a kid. If you have not seen that movie... I absolutely have, and I know that he somersaults like a motherfucker through it. So <laughs> maybe before you start trying to call me out, and I just happen to type Baby Kong in there, and because it's a 1986 film, they didn't have gifts of those films back then. So I had to use something more recent. <laughs> okay. So uh, I appreciate you calling me out, and I will um, toss that into the trash. Okay, Mr. Beast did something. We're finally moving on to talk about video games we've got all sorts of fun stuff we're gonna start with our main quest switch successor release date Uh, andy robinson of vgc says development kits for nintendo's next console are now with key partner studios with launch planned for next year sources have told vgc According to multiple people with knowledge of Nintendo's next-gen console plans, the company is likely to release new hardware during the second half of 2024 to ensure Excuse me. Ooh, Mountain Dew getting to me. To ensure that it has ample stock available on day one and to avoid the kind of shortages seen with PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X Pipe S. Although specific details on the console are being kept closely guarded, the VGC spoke to indicated the, those VGC spoke to indicated that the next gen console would be able to be used in portable mode similar to the Nintendo Switch. Two sources VGC spoke to suggested that the console could launch with an LCD screen instead of a more premium OLED screen. 
Other details, such as backwards compatibility support for Switch games, physical and digital, remains unclear. Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of Switch's 100 million-plus user base as, uh, as soon as possible to its next system. Sorry, as much of its user base as possible to the next system. Whoo! Lots of uh, speculation going on here. A couple I'm of little say, And Alex, you look like you have something you want to say real bad. I'm going to say right here, right now, I really mm -hmm. just pray to God that the next Nintendo system is backwards compatible. Please, please, please. I don't want another console generation where Nintendo on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's going to be called next is going to be like, hey, guys, guess what? Mario Kart for the Game Boy Advance is now on Nintendo consoles again. We have had this rigmarole happen too many times in a row with Nintendo consoles. Just please make it backwards compatible. I understand part of the concern here is that some people are like, oh man, if it's backwards compatible, that might undercut the sales of Switch 2 exclusive games. I get that. Don't care. Make it backwards compatible. I was actually yeah, talking why? to uh, Matt from Rhode Island, my soulmate, oh, love of my life, Matt from Matt, RI. Matt from RI. Um, we were talking about this in Rhode Island, oddly enough, uh. and about the fact that we were talking about backwards compatibility and, and Nintendo's history with it, especially with like DS playing Game Boy games and things right. like that. But the fact that we're already seeing now the limitations of cartridges on Nintendo Switch, where like for instance the Batman Arkham Trilogy only has the first game on it, and then everything else is downloadable. And it's like, if we start improving the quality of the graphics and making them 4K instead of 1080 on these cart, like cartridges will not be an option for future consoles in Nintendo because they're just, they don't make sense with the cost of how much it would take to, to get something that big uh, and that fast. So that's an interesting, like, I think it has to. And I think hmm. at the at the expense of more bulk and actually integrating a switch into the switch too similar to how they did that with gamecube and wii and wii and wii u just because they they have this huge library that they can't just abandon that library now especially with all the work they're doing for sure to make wii u stuff accessible on switch and then the online service that hopefully doesn't fucking die with this generation like it always does but i think it has to be backwards compatible that they cannot they cannot release another system or else i will burn them down Part of the problem is that, like, their, like, whole, like, Nintendo Switch, like, online system, it very much feels like it is kind of like a continuous work in progress. Like, we only just recently got Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games added to it. You'd have to imagine that, like, GameCube games... And very games, few that are worthwhile. <laughs> right. You'd have to imagine that GameCube games and so on and so forth are probably in the pipeline. It would be really weird for them to be like, yeah, all that stuff is scrapped. We're starting from day one. It, here's like the NES Nintendo Switch Online 2 uh, rigmarole that you can slowly, patiently wait by as we slowly dole out Super Mario Bros, Super Mario Bros VS for arcades. They can't do that again. They can't. Yeah. Adam, you're up. You had something to say, and then I cut you off. Uh, yeah, something about... I don't remember exactly what it was, but someone, people being like, oh, it can't be backwards compatible because that'll undercut its own sales. Like, as a consumer, you shouldn't care about how much money Nintendo makes you. You should be concerned <laughs> right. about what the best product for you is, um, which I always think is a weird hill to, to die on. But it's cool. Like, I'm really excited. I, the one thing I'll give Nintendo a lot of credit for, well, they do a weird, like, hey, we're going to announce a thing, and it's like, okay. 
you could just announce it. But then when they actually announce it, it's really cool. They're like, hey, in three months, there's a new system coming out, which is always cool and exciting. I like the way that they do it. Um, so that'll be cool. It'll be interesting. I'll see what they make. Again, definitely still going to be portable. Needs to be backwards compatible. You know, your account actually working now. That's awesome that we have an account and it can carry over and be like, hey, I yeah. bought a thing. Let me For let sure. it work over here. Um, I'm interested to see like what the new gimmick will be or if it's just it's a switch, but more powerful, which I think isn't an awful thing. But we know Nintendo always wants to do oh, something yeah. a little weird and wacky. Oh, so yeah. uh, I'm just excited for what they come up with. Um, yeah. And maybe I'll get another one. I've owned every Nintendo console. I'll just say I that. Do I have them now? No. <laughs> yep. But I've owned every one of them. I wonder if Nintendo is crazy enough to be like, you know what? Nintendo Switch 2 has a 3D display again. This is how we make old 3DS games backwards compatible, even though you don't need them to be 3D. I am all for the 3D revolution re-revolutionizing itself. I am so mad at all of the rest of the world for giving up on 3D movies because Avatar 2 in 3D in IMAX was incredible. And it was... It was amazing. Make my eyes bleed. And then hearing about the 3D stuff coming in the Vision Pro and how like Apple might be developing 3D content, like video content for it, for its shows. I'm like, yes, let's bring 3D back. I want to make that a thing. And then they, like when Super Nintendo World, when they showed off, like when you're waiting in, in line at the Mario Kart thing and they're using all the same technology for the 3DS screens to have like 3D things going on nearby. Like, like bring it back. I want it. I want it. Yeah. And then the, I also the, want me to, I want to be able to dock it and then it makes my TV 3D. <laughs> the the moment I when want. I realized that the 3D revolution was over was when the Pokemon games on the 3DS stopped using 3D. Because if you yeah, remember yeah. for Pokemon X and Y, they only used 3D in battles and then the overworld was non 3D. And then for Sun and Moon, they just gutted the 3D component of the game entirely. When that happened, I was like, okay, I guess it's over. Uh, last thing I'll say on this real quickly, uh, if the timeline of this is all correct and we're to expect the Switch successor in the latter half of 2024, I guess we'll probably first hear about it around like E3 slash Summer Game Fest time next year, which well, is exciting. Well, if anything, we have to hear about it this year. We have to. They have to announce it because I predicted this that year? and I have to win. Oh, okay. I predicted that they would announce it. Not release, but just announce that it exists by the end of this year. (laughs) It won't even be E3. It'll be like six weeks after E3. They're like, hey, by the way, (laughs) Switch coming out in a couple months. Yeah. When was the Switch? Wasn't it like January or so? I feel like it was a really weird time. It was was a trailer in November, right? Yeah. Beginning of November. There was was the trailer that just dropped on a random morning in like Mm -hmm. November. And then they're like, stay tuned in January for a direct around what this is going to look like. That's what it was, a direct in January. Yeah. That's what it was. And then it released in March. It released with our birthday, the podcast birthday, because we started our podcast the week before the release of the Switch. Talking about probably Zero Dawn. The podcast will probably have to do something special to commemorate the launch of the new console. Maybe we'll have another baby. <gasps> a baby Kong. Wait. Oh, oh, there he oh, is. He's back. Oh, 1986. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to playtime. Um, Alex, you wrote a lot of words, and Adam wrote letters. So we're going to talk about Alex's pajama putt I'm done with stuff. his last two things. The last I, two things on his list, <laughs> I know what they are, and it's wild that you decided to play these in 2023. I, I am so curious. Please, Alex, tell me all about the reasons why you chose to play these games and, and how they went. All right. So 
in the lead up to my trip to Europe, y'all on the podcast were like, so Alex, what games are you going to be bringing with you to Europe? And I said, it's going to be a secret. It's going to be a surprise. You'll find out when I come back home from Europe. And let me tell you, I'm ready to tell you all about it. So about a year ago, became familiar with the works of one Jaizu over on Twitter. You can find him at Jaizu Fan Gaming. That's J-A-I-Z-U Fan Gaming. Uh, the guy what is that in specializes... English? Sorry. What is that in English? I don't think it's anything in English. I think it's just Jaizu. J-A-I-Z-U? Yeah. Get it? I did the ignorant American thing. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, anyways, Jaizu's basically specialized... <laughs> I don't know why you guys are wearing glasses. I got to be totally You're wearing honest. glasses? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, not as ostentatious as whatever the hell you, you're wearing. Um, anyways, Jaizu has specialized in making uh, ROM hacks of the kind of Gen 3 Pokemon games that offer all sorts of neat little uh, improvements and whatnot to them. Uh, the first project of his that I really became uh, familiar with him through was uh, Pokemon Emerald Cross, which is basically a quality of life ROM of Pokemon Emerald. It basically takes the base Pokemon Emerald game, keeps the design of it fully intact, but basically Im implements a lot of changes and improvements here there to just make the process of playing it in 2023 that much smoother. So for like, for example, you can run anywhere in the game instead of being restricted from running when you're in like inside houses or whatnot. You can like use TMs and HMs and other things without needing to teach them to your Pokemon. All these sorts of things that like nowadays as like modern day Pokemon fans were so over. Uh, really love that. Um, recently, he had been working on a new ROM called Pokemon Unova Emerald, which basically was him taking Emerald Cross, all the quality of life improvements there, and basically updating the Pokédex of the game. So it included uh, Pokemon up until Generation 5, uh, which were the black Ooh. and white games. And so you'd be able to run around the Hoenn region of Pokemon Emerald with a Tepig and Oshawott and Petrat in your party and, and many, many other Pokemon from that generation. And I was like, this game looks really, really cool. Like, I always have loved the idea of, like, being able to continue playing through Pokemon Emerald and getting to experience more content and more Pokemon than that game offered back in the mid-2000s. Uh, Thing is the project seems like it's constantly in production doesn't seem like he'll be finished soon coincidentally he ended up stopping production on it finishing production on it uh just before i decided to go on vacation uh and basically it's like yeah uh the tools that i'm using to create this mod are becoming a little bit too difficult and advanced for me to continue editing it so i'm just putting out the last version of the game that happened i'm like great i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna download this mod to one of my portable devices and i'll be able to play it on the road went looking online i'm like, like okay an analog pocket uh so on? is it like a, a typical gba rom like can i just download it and play it in an emulator so initially initially i was like <laughs> maybe i could download it to my 3ds because you know hacking your 3ds very easy nowadays looked into it i'm like mm, seems a little bit difficult you know what i would love i would love to be able to have a traditional like uh, Alexander Kazina, 12 years old travel experience, right? Bring along, bring along my original DS Fat from 2004. Or the Chunky course, Boy over there. One of yeah, the Chonky. Game Chonky Boy Kong. That's my favorite Kong. <laughs> that my friend Alex Mazza gave to me in grade school before he realized that they had any right. value. 
Uh, and so I went looking up online and I, sorry, give me a second. I'm, my head is away from the mic. Take your time. Take your time. Found this thingamabob called the Easy Flash Omega. And what it is, <gasps> is it's a flash drive in the shape of a Game Boy Advance cartridge that you can stick into your Game Boy Advances. But here's the catch. You can load it up with ROMs via micro SD card. <gasps> oh, that's fancy. When I had one as a kid, it had like a special connector and you plugged it into a PCI port on your PC and loaded it with ROMs. And, and so it was like 256 megabytes and that was huge. Holy shit. And so, yeah, I went and patched uh, my ROM of Pokemon Emerald to make it Unova Emerald, uh, downloaded it to the micro SD card, plugged it into the Easy uh, uh, Flash Omega. Real hard to remember name. Please apologize for that. Uh, and yeah, plugged it in and we were good to go. And I was off to Europe with those two consoles in tow, plus my Switch, because I also wanted to play a little bit of Moonlighter. <laughs> You guys just keep adding all sorts of incredibly bizarre objects. Watch the video what version the over you on youtube.com slash at respawnamefire. <laughs> you look like... Um, I'm actually worried about these because these are my Xbox Series X skins and I don't want to bend them. Are, are you guys familiar with the George Lucas talk show? I'm familiar with George no? Lucas and I've heard him talk and I've watched it, a show with him on it. Th there's yeah. this like talk show that these two actor comedian dudes do where one of them dresses up as Watto and the other one dresses up as George Lucas. And they basically do this talk show in person as those characters, uh, where they like bring on guests and do other wacky shenanigans. And you both look like that, like the bootleg versions. Oh Jesus. I didn't know. I knew that Watto was a slaver. I didn't know that he was violent as well. Look at this Swiss army knife that has my name on it. Michael Innes. Got it in Switzerland. Ooh. Anyways. In Lucerne. Brought the Easy Flash Omega with me on the plane with my DS Fat and GBA SP in tow. Everything was going great. Was playing them plenty on the train. Began to, sorry, not on the train, on the plane. There are no trains that take you all the way across the pond from Montreal to Europe. Anyways, this is a very long story. I'll try to speed it up. <laughs> Realized that I was running out of energy and I'm like, okay, not a problem. I'll be able to plug it into the wall when I get there and we'll be good. I had brought along a bunch of those wall adapters, which, you know, allow you to plug in your, you know, normal two-pronged electric electronics forgot that the gba power adapters don't accept the level of voltage in europe uh, i've completely <sighs> forgotten because you know as of recent you can plug in your iphones you can plug in your nintendo switch into any which wall in the world and they'll work just fine not the case with the Game Boy Advance adapter. I'm like, oh shit, this is a problem. Now, I wasn't too concerned because I had my Switch and I could continue to play Moonlighter on that. Um, but I was like, I need to find myself a GBA Advance adapter that's compatible with European plugs and or I need to find a power converter that I can plug into the wall with my normal GBA adapter. Went looking that's all why over I'm London. All on board with the USB-C revolution. Like just one thing, you don't have to worry exactly. about wall adapters anymore. You just have everything just USB-C. Exactly. Unfortunately, we're dealing with electronics from the mid 2000s, so no could do. Uh, went looking all over Linden, visited many a you know secondhand video game store, and visited many an electronics store. Couldn't find anything. Went to Amsterdam. 
uh, went looking all over the city, went looking in all sorts of secondhand video game stores, electronic stores, couldn't find anything. Last place I went to recommended, you know what, just order something via Amazon. And I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. That makes a lot of sense. My one concern is the rate at which the trip is going. If I order something on Amazon, it probably will not arrive in time for me to take advantage of it before I have to leave Paris. Uh, nevertheless, I travel to Paris. I arrive on Tuesday, the 18th of July. Uh, on Thursday, the 20th of July, I decide to go to a toy shop there called Lulu Berlu. Uh, I'm just going to take a quick tangent here and say, if you are ever in Paris, definitely visit Lulu Berlu. It is a fantastic toy store like an incredible spread of like old school gi joe's thundercats star wars all the crazy ass toys you could ever imagine walked out Last of toys. lulu Berlu, and i saw hey what's that over there that's a video game store oh and what's that over there there's another video game store and another video game store and another video game store turns out the boulevard i was on boulevard voltaire is like the video game mecca of paris and he didn't even realize it walked into one store and I was like, hey, you guys happen to have any GBA chargers in stock? And they were like, no, I'm sorry, we don't have any. But the store next door might happen to have one. Walked into that store and I got myself a Europe compatible GBA yeah. charger for 15 euros. So shout French. out, shout out to Tronix. Uh, T-R-O-N-I-X for supplying me with this in my time of need. Now, by that point, I only had three days left in my trip to Europe, but it ended up being like three pretty critical days because the next day I went to Lollapalooza with my sister. I had to chaperone her around there. I like live music. There weren't any artists there that really were of much interest to me. So while we were waiting in line or doing what have you, I got in a few more hours in my copy of Pokemon New Nova Emerald. And then after that, it was off to Versailles, which was a very long bus ride there and back. And then after that, it was a plane ride back. So even though it for most of the trip, I was without a proper charger, I really took advantage of it during those past few days. Speaking of one. ignorant American yes. things, this is me right now realizing that Lollapalooza is not just a Chicago thing, but is in fact in seven countries worldwide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I a Mr. It worldwide affair. In the U.S. So I mentioned it a couple of times throughout that very long-winded story. Uh, I did also play Moonlighter while I was on the trip. In fact, I mostly played Moonlighter because that was the main game that I brought along with me on my Switch. Uh, not going to say too much about it today because we'll save our thoughts for Barf, uh, which will be coming up uh, this weekend, Monday, sometime within the immediate future. Uh, Sunday. It's upcoming Sunday. Sunday. Perfect. Uh all I'll say is that I beat it and played a fair bit of its DLC between dimensions, and I thought it was very, very redacted. Um, after that, Ooh. when I got back home from Europe, I decided to play a little bit of Diablo 4's first new season. Uh, I actually, before even doing that, decided to just go and collect all those uh, Lilith statues in like my base version of the game, because those the, the benefits you get from collecting those like cross over to all subsequent accounts that you create. Uh, I'm currently playing a sorcerer with electricity powers, um, and I find playing as them pretty exciting, pretty fun. Gotta be honest, don't care for most of the new content that's in the uh, first season of the game. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to like seeing what the next proper like story expansion of Diablo 4 is going to be because of how much I enjoy the story and the kind of proper standalone version of the game. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see definitely see in the future 
if I kind of continue to stick to the seasonal content because it seems a little throwaway. I don't know. Have you guys been able to experience it? No. I played a little bit of it. <clears throat> Maybe two hours or so. Hmm. I haven't gone back to it yet. Yeah. To be honest, I probably won't return to it until we see the DLC, which I assume is going to focus on like Mephisto and have a brand new character class. And that's when I'll jump in and be like, cool, let me play as this character class now through the whole game. Right. With the DLC. Yeah. A lot of people took issue with the fact that you have to roll a new character when you start the new seasonal content. I honestly didn't have an issue with that. It's more just the, the seasonal content itself being, I, I would say, not all that. But anyways, the game's still fun. Uh, and then after that... After that, Chad, mm -hmm, I decided mm -hmm. to pop in and play a game that you have made fun of many a times uh, over the course of the past hour or so that we've been recording this. I decided to play a little game called Pajama Sam in No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. Let me tell mm -hmm, you a little bit mm -hmm. about Pajama Sam in No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. <laughs> this is a PC adventure game made by Humongous Entertainment, a company that was co-founded in 1992 by one Ron Gilbert, better known as the uh, adventure game creator behind such hits as Maniac Mansion and the Secret of Monkey Island series. Uh, okay. And beyond co-founding the company, he basically had a pretty like heavy hand in developing all of the games that it put it out in like the subsequent years following its founding, including this Pajama Sam game. And let me tell you, playing through Pajama Sam after all these years, because Pajama Sam was one of those games that I, as a kid, obsessively played over and over and over and over again, because I just freaking loved it back in the day. It was one of my formative gaming experiences. Gotta say, this game holds up shockingly well. It is a game that is definitely aimed at a much younger audience than even the likes of The Secret of Monkey Island, but it still has a lot of that, again, like early like LucasArts slash Ron Gilbert uh, adventure game humor, just a lot of like great comedy, but also like really kind of like heartfelt, interesting characters uh, and some pretty like decent puzzles that are a little bit more digestible because again they're made with a kind of slightly younger audience in mind but honestly i appreciate that as somebody who has really struggled in the past with some of these super esoteric uh adventure games uh and it ends on adam, a, adam have I you ever say, heard of this pajama sam before i absolutely have i never played pajama sam but i knew it was definitely a thing i'm surprised i haven't heard of it before it like got, i'm looking at it on wikipedia and it has game it has several games it has a whole series of books yeah, uh, so the the some of the Pajama Sam games and like some of the other humongous entertainment games got re-released on the Wii back during the Wii era. And more recently they had like been making the rounds being re-released on modern consoles, but they only came to PS4 slash PS5 very recently. Uh, and I'd been meaning to check them out. And when I saw, okay, they're finally on PlayStation, I'm like, perfect, I'll check them out here because I am definitely, definitely looking forward to getting that platinum trophy for finally beating mm. uh, Pajama Sam and no need, need to hide when it's dark outside. I'll stop <laughs> saying the full name because that's real tiring to say. My only critique of this game is it has no platinum trophy. I don't oh know. Oh my God. Is it one of those loser games why? that has a bunch of trophies, but no platinum? Yes. And I got all what those other loser, loser trophies. Game. Wasn't, wasn't hard to get uh, all the, the rest of them, but it, it, it's just, it's so dispiriting. Cause like, 
There are so many other games out there. I've played like quite a few adventure games on my PlayStation consoles in the past that are like much lesser than Pajama Sam in terms of quality, in terms of content, in terms of just overall just packing a punch. And those games had platinum trophies. This game doesn't. And I am profoundly, profoundly disappointed that it doesn't. Um, and then after I've got that, two things about Pajama Sam. Yes. By the way, these titles are great. Of course, no need to hide when it's dark outside. Right. Thunder and lightning aren't so frightening. You are what you eat from your head to your feet, and life <laughs> is rough when you lose your stuff. Amazing titles. Also, Pajama Sam was voiced by Bobby Hill. Just a big heads up. Hell yeah. Oh. And so after that, I was like, you know, I had a lot of fun with Pajama Sam. Again, pretty peeved. Pretty peeved that I didn't get a platinum trophy. But I'm kind of in a humongous game mood right now. What could I play next? And I was like, you know what? Back in the day, the other big PC game that I used to play from Humongous Games was Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo, which you play as an anthropomorphic purple car that you're never going to believe this, Saves the Zoo. So I downloaded that one as well. And I got to say, it was fun to come back to it for nostalgic reasons. But, you know, back in the day, I would play this game in Pajama Sam and many other like PC games on loop and like not really like register one as being like particularly better or longer than the other. And this playthrough made me realize that as much as Pajama Sam is aimed at young kids, Putt-Putt is aimed at like even younger kids compared to PJ. It's like very short puzzles are like almost like non-existent in terms of how difficult they are there's not much ingenuity to coming up with their solutions and putt putt the car himself just has like such a one note and kind of grading personality pajama sam he's like a seven or eight year old you know he's able to express a much wider range of emotion from you know moments of bravery to understandable fear that continuously move the game's plot forward and just make it interesting uh, Putt-Putt, not quite as interesting. And also no Platinum as well. Um, but it was still still fun to come back to it for nostalgic reasons. I have stumbled across a legal nightmare, Alex. Oh, no. When you oh, mentioned no. Putt-Putt saves the zoo, I googled Putt-Putt saves the zoo, and I see Putt-Putt and that little circle R that means it's the registered trademark. I say, whoa, that's wild that they... They were able to do that when Putt-Putt is also like mini-golf, right? Go to puttputt.com and you see the same thing. Find a putt-putt circle R, also registered trademark in your area. But they are two different properties, two different IPs, both with the same registered trademark. One of them's lying or they're both right and one of them needs to be sued. We need to head to Raleigh uh, Road, Suite 410 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. <laughs> to figure it out. I will say... Putt-Putt's last game was in 2003, so maybe that trademark is gone, and the new mm. one is for the golf people. Maybe. Maybe not. Let's go to Chapel Hill just to find out. Um, great. I'm so glad that you, you brought that to our attention, um, and I'm very glad we spent all of that time on Pajama Sam and I discovered Putt Putt. I, and I feel Sam like you're more you're more invested in this legal battle over the heart and soul of the Putt Putt franchise. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna go to law school tomorrow with Elwoods and say, "Listen, girl, how do we get Putt Putt in the right hands?" I'm not. Oh, gonna, I'm not gonna be on either side of history. I just want to make sure it ends up in the right place. Uh, I, I I will say, like 
obviously I'm like jesting and jostling around a little bit with these last two games that I played. Pajama Sam in No Need to Hide When It's Blah Blah Blah. That game, that game legit does, I think, genuinely hold up. I'm not saying that it's on the same level as some of the adventure game greats, but if you're like, you know what? I just want like a small mini adventure game experience from the same creative hearts and minds behind so many of the other adventure game greats. Give it a shot. I think you'll I think you'll be taken by surprise. Adam, take me through your list of letters here while I look at this article from Sems.com. Use of the words putt putt in business name leads to trademark infringement suit. <laughs> oh, 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 maybe no. All right. So two things on here. USC Counterforce and Great Houses of Calderia are two indie games that I played. I talked about last week. Those reviews are up on YouTube right now. So go to youtube.com slash at Fire. Both of those rap reviews are up uh, about seven minutes apiece. Talking about those two indie games are pretty cool. Check them out. Uh, next thing. I'll do that one last. What is this? Don't you hate when you write a thing? And you don't remember oh. what's there? Yep. Remember what it is. Cyberpunk, Edge Runners. Continue to watch it. I have one episode left. Pretty cool anime. I don't like anime, but I like that one. Um, I guess the big thing I did this week was I watched all of Twisted Metal in one day. Oh. <laughs> and you live to say it, your feelings about it. I did, yes. So um, Twisted Metal came out on Peacock um, Thursday, July, whatever that day was. And I happened to be off that day because I'd made the joke. Like, I have Peacock. They're putting them all on one day. I'm going to see if I can get through this. Uh, and I happen to be off that day. And then I watched the entire series. And it is good. It's really weird. Hell it really yeah. works. Because, again, I wouldn't do it with, like, negative expectations. I'm like, this is going to be absolute garbage. And it is what it is, right? It's super campy. And super like over like it's a twist they're making a twisted metal tv show like what do you expect but <clears throat> all the actors are good i enjoy the story it's strangely heartfelt it's like what you guys have emotions in this twisted metal fucking bullshit and okay. uh and i will say i'm probably not more excited for a season two going in than you know coming out like i was like oh shit i really want season two now it is surprisingly like very fun and watchable and it's like okay 10 30 minute episodes or something like that it's it's really easy to get through uh yeah uh anthony mackie's great look all the characters are great literally like anthony mackie sweet tooth will arnett is the voice samojo is the body is great stephanie beatrice is great thomas hayden church like everybody is good there is a there's a surprise character who plays preacher and i was like perfect casting literally no notes that's perfect that's a fun surprise um yeah it's just really good and really fun it's a road trip movie and there are people fight and get stabbed and shoot each other and then fight in cars. I don't know. No notes. Is there a... No notes. <laughs> I love it. Blink twice. <laughs> blink twice on camera if there's a scene at the end where Pen Rapper... The, 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 fuck. I was about to just launch into a really corny joke and I couldn't even pronounce the name of Parappa <laughs> the Rapper. Is there a scene... Mm -hmm. Blink twice. If there's a scene at the end where Parappa the Rapper... I, I, I shouldn't have gone with that character. I should have gone with anyone else. Where he comes up and says, Hey, Anthony Mackie, I'd like to talk to you about the <laughs> Station All-Stars Initiative. No. Actually, I would say the ending is actually cooler than that, for sure. Whoa. Um, shit. Similar-ish idea, but I think it's actually like, Oh, I was like, oh shit, that'll actually be cool. I want to see that. Blink twice if there's a scene in the movie 
where someone steps out of their car after it's been destroyed and they go, man, this metal is twisted. <laughs> no. There is, they do do the line where someone's oh, like, dude, again, it's the very end of the show, like, hey, there's going to be carnage, there's going to be a lot of twisted metal. And I was like, oh, they said it. Oh, they, they said, said the, the thing. Name. But dude, Anthony Mackie's so fun and, and so goofy. Um, Stephanie, him and Stephanie Beatrice have a really good chemistry. There <laughs> is a sex scene in a ball pit. Oh, <gasps> shit. So, have fun with that. Oh. It's very raunchy. It's very adult. It's made for like, so Anthony Mackie, of course, John Doe, he's driving his car around. Which actually becomes one of the cars in the game, which is cool. And this whole thing is like, oh, he listened. The world went to shit in like 2003 or something. So yeah. it's like, oh, it's a bunch of like 90s slash early 2000s music. Um, and it's like, this show is literally made for 30 year olds who were playing the Twisted Metal in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Like, that's what the show is made for because it's adult. And then all the references are like music from that era. So I think it worked. Hell that's yeah. Fun. Okay. Okay. Blink twice. You sold me on it. Blink twice. We're just going to okay. keep you blinking all day if they play I'm Blue by Eiffel 65 at any point during the show. No, they don't. Damn. I will. You know what's really weird? I remember because in the preview they showed us the casino scene with uh, Sweet Tooth and Anthony Mackie. And right. they were playing the thong song or whatever. Really weird scene, really cringy and made no sense out of context. I think it's probably the worst scene that they could have ever showed because it's probably like the most cringy scene in the entire series. Everything else, again, it's campy, it's over the top. But I'm like, why did they pick this? This is literally like the worst scene from like the first episode. I, I don't know. The show's actually fun. Mm -hmm. How many episodes is it? 400? 10. 26? 10? 10 30 cool. minute episodes. All right. So about five hours to finish it up. Blink twice if there are actually 11 oh episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are not 11 episodes. Um, you want to blink twice about something else? Blink twice and also say the name of the next game out loud while you blink. Huh? I can't do that. There is no more games. Uh, the last <laughs> oh. thing I'm going to say is, I'm not going to announce what it is, but oh. if you look on the website, you'll you can find it out. I'm waiting for someone to do an official announcement, but I confirmed to be at PAX West. Oh shit! It is Labor Day weekend, uh, early September, like the first mm -hmm, weekend of mm -hmm, September. Mm -hmm. um, if you look on the website, my name's on there. That's oh shit! Waiting. But I'm waiting for that person to officially announce it before I say anything else. But if you're going to be in Seattle at PAX West, hit me up. Let me know. Let's hang out. I am. I announced this it. on Twitter slash X as well. Slash X. That, that sounds so dirty. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to be uh, in town in Toronto for Toronto Fan Expo on August 26th. Not as a presenter or like person of interest, but just hanging out. Come say hi. I forgot Coming to out. announce Jack, gonna this. Be? I'm going to be yeah. in uh, San Jose, California at okay. uh, Safeway on Friday going grocery shopping. Ooh. So Ooh. Safeway in San up? Jose. The one Safeway. Just kidding. There were like 45. Not the shitty one by Santana Row and, and Valley Fair Mall. Like that's the worst Safeway that's ever existed. Don't meet me there. On August 24th, right, I'm actually going to be attending uh, Festival de la Poutine in Montreal, which is one of Montreal's three annual poutine fests, because we can't have one, we can't have two, gotta have three. <laughs> is that everything you did, Adam? Yeah, that's it. Um, I wrote W on here for wedding, but I don't remember why I wanted to talk about the wedding. I already said something about the wedding. Oh, here's the thing, everyone get tattoos. Get tattoos of your favorite games, because I went to a wedding this weekend, 
And first of all, it was dope. And we walked down the aisle to the Jurassic World or the Jurassic Park theme song <gasps> played by of an orchestra. Course. Uh, I love that. And the, the groom did a toast uh, straight out of Final Fantasy III. And all of his nerdy friends who were there knew how to end the toast with him, too. And it was great. It was fantastic. But uh, met. So one of I was a man of honor and the maid of honor. We had a co of honor thing for my friend Jesse. Mm-hmm. And uh, the maid of honor is super dope. Started hanging out. Her husband was there. Turns out also super dope. Listening to mm-hmm. her podcast today, literally today, texted me, what's the length of the thing? I'm listening to it right now. Oh, and shit. And he saw my, my tattoo and he's like, is that the traveler? And I said, fuck yeah, it's the traveler. Let's talk destiny. And now we're best friends. So everyone go wow. get tattoos and put all of your favorite <laughs> games on your face. And then that's how you'll make real life friends. On your face and your body. There you go. On your face yeah. and your body, Papa John's. Um, I'm going to talk about the bottom two and then the, the other one. Final Fantasy 16, everybody. I beat it. Jaboy beat it. Yeah. Um, I beat the game, did every single side quest, had a ton of fun with this game. I am absolutely going to go back and do New Game Plus on Final Fantasy difficulty for the Platinum Trophy. Uh, I think the only trophies I have left are to do that New Game Plus run, which is apparently only takes like 10 to 15 hours. Um, and then I have to do these time trial challenges that I didn't even know existed until after I beat the game. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm going to do those. Um, it is such... I, I'm not going to do like a legit review for this thing, so I'll just say a couple of things about it right now. It is a f- It is an incredible game. It is maybe my favorite Final Fantasy game. I don't know yet. I'm going to go back and replay a bunch of other Final Fantasies sometime in the next two years. You have but to. But this you is maybe to. my Final Fantasy favorite game. Um, But weirdly enough, like somehow that also, I can't see it being game of the year. I think it's incredible. I think it's got a great story. I think all of the, all of the heavy story shit, all of the stuff that's really going to get you roped in happens actually kind of in the first third of the game. And then the rest of it out from there on is like, it's cool, but it doesn't like blow your mind like the first third of the game does. But I, I'm very, very, very happy with that game. But there's like, if this came out in the year that Sekiro won game of the year, this would absolutely beat it. And right. this would beat everything else that released that year. For sure. But there's just so much shit that's coming out this year that's amazing that I don't, I just can't see this winning game of the year at all, which is wild. Mm. But I love it. Interesting. Crazy. man. Yeah. Blink twice um, if I, <laughs> I'm Blue by Eiffel 65 is played in the game. You didn't tell me how, how close together the Blinks had to be, so are two of those close enough together to tell you yes? I don't know. Nobody. Um, the bottom one here. Y'all, guess who beat Destiny? This guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Audrey did it for you, right? Yeah, no, no fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I say this every other week that I beat Destiny and did something else, but this is literally I beat Destiny. This is the only thing in this entire game that I have not done is beat Trials of Osiris. Actually, I don't even know why I wrote TOS. It should just be TOO. Um, do that every time, by the way. You do you always really? put TOS. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Osiris. Like, oh, Charlie's the restaurant. Chad oh, is a huge fan of the terms of service. Whenever yeah, he boots up the game and the terms <laughs> yes. of service are present, he just reads through the entirety of it from front to back. So, Audrey, I talked about this last week, fucking going flawless, showing us up, being dope and amazing at this game. While I'm at this wedding this weekend, texts all of us a picture. Mm, did it again. 
I was like, you son of a bitch. And so then on my flight home, I was Googling, hmm, what are the best times to play Trials of Osiris so that all the shitty people are on and all the good people have gone to bed? Like, what's the best time zone and time? And it turns out that it was Sunday nights after the East Coast goes to bed. And I was like, God damn it. I just, I woke up so early. We partied so late and then I slept, but I didn't get great sleep because everyone else was till four. And then I get home and I'm like, I have to keep playing tonight. I have to continue to stay up and play Trials of Osiris because this is my only opportunity to actually win one of these things. And uh, went to go, to go flawless means you have to play seven games, seven matches of of like hardcore PvP Destiny stuff without losing. And there is a specific card you can get that says, hey, we'll forgive one loss. So you can actually go eight with one loss in there. Or if it's your first time going flawless that week, it now does uh, two losses. So it forgives two. So I got all the way up to six on my first round and then lost three in a row and fucking wanted to die. And I texted the group, trials is the fucking worst. I hate it. And then I was like, we've got one hour left till I really have to like actually go to bed. Jump back in there. Got all the way through, only lost one time, went flawless, and I texted, Trials is the fucking coolest. And I have so many amazing pictures of me up in this lighthouse, getting cool gear, adept versions of shit, a shader that makes me look gold as hell. It's so cool. I'm the best now. So that was gold literally the thing that I thought I would never do. Even the things that I've paid people in China and Korea to do for me, I have since done myself. But this was the one where I was like, nope, I'm going to have to, I suck at PVP so bad, but I wrote a lot of coattails. A lot of, the trick is to go in with randos, like have it match make you with randos instead of going in with the fire team. Cause Audrey and Jerrica and I went in together and they're like, oh, you're three people who are all on the same fire team and you're all on mic together. Therefore you're probably good. We're going to match you up with other people who are also on the same fire team and also have a mic. So that was a mistake. Anyway, beat it. The next thing, this is like, it's going to be a little bit of a soapbox moment, a little bit of a different thing, but I wanted to talk about it on here because no one ever talked about it in anything that I listened to. R stands for hmm. Ritalin. Two weeks ago, I got diagnosed with ADHD. And it's something that like, obviously, I've known that my whole life that I probably have ADHD. And I'm sure everyone yes. who's ever listened to this podcast is like, yeah, Chad has ADHD. But it started becoming like an issue especially during the pandemic with like doing things and getting my work done, especially if it's like has to be focused work and, and even like things around the house, like, Oh, I've got to go get this treat for my dog. And I walk to the kitchen to get the treat. And then on the way I like pick up this other thing. I was like, Oh shit, I got to go put this away. And then I do five other tasks. And then 10 minutes later, I'm sitting on the couch with a weird thing in my hand and my dog never got a treat. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? Um, so I finally like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do something about it. And I've always been scared my whole life because of I don't know whether it was just a 90s thing that people were terrified of medication and stuff like that. But I Yeah, I thought I, Ritalin was illegal. Or am I thinking of another I mean, it's, medicine? It's a highly controlled Adderall. substance. It's highly I'm controlled. Adderall is a big Adderall problem, Adderall is right? also another medication That's for, what I'm for yeah, ADHD yeah, yeah. too. Um but yeah, as, as a kid growing up and like my the misconception I had around medication this whole time was just like oh, this is going to like turn me into a zombie and it's going to suppress my creativity and I'm not going to be the same person. I'm just going to be like this drone going through life, having great attention and focus, but then not have my like actual self and personality. And that's just like what I assumed. And in fact, when I told my best friend about it, I was like, hey, 
I got diagnosed with ADHD. I'm actually kind of excited to try this medication and do something about it. He did the same thing. He's like, fuck that. No, my second grade teacher said you need ADHD medication. And my mom was like, no, he's perfect the way he is. I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I reacted my whole life. Anyway, it turns out you can do things with modern medicine and science, and it makes things wonderful and amazing. And it's changing my life. So if you're one of those people, I see a, the, the problem is I see a lot of content online, especially on Twitter from friends like, oh, this means if you do this, that means you probably have ADHD or this is what living with ADHD is like. But nobody ever is like, oh, this is what it looks like when you actually take Ritalin and your ADHD isn't affecting you anymore. And it's like, oh, that's what I want. I know that I'm fucked up already. I want the yeah, focus. Tell me about the I, drugs. So, yeah, take the, the good stuff. Chad, anyway, I don't. Story short, um, go ahead. Yes. Sorry, uh, go ahead, Alex. I don't mean to, you know, mean uh, make light of you talking about this, uh, but I do want to ask when you see people on Twitter being like, oh, man, check out this picture of like a rotating rat with music playing. And this is like <laughs> what it, what it feels like to be on ADHD. Do you relate to those at all? I don't know. When you say rotating rat, I feel like I'm looking at it like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I, what I guess it feels we don't like. we don't frequent the same accounts on Twitter in that case. But anyways, um, no, the, like the way that the way that I've been describing how this medication like changes things for me so far is like uh, instead of having like twelve thoughts going through my brain at any one time, I now have like two, Aww. and I can instead of having them overlap, like I can finish one thought or finish an act, like I can. The other day, I was like, all right, I've got this thing on my desk, and I have to bring it to the sink in the bathroom. I was like, I got up, walked, put it on the bathroom sink, and I was like, holy shit. I followed through with that whole action, and I was cognizant and aware of it the entire time, and I was focused on doing that thing, and then I did it. And then my brain was like, cool, what do we do next? It's like, that's what it's like to think clearly and think without all that distraction going on. Um, so it's been, it's been really great to be able to focus on things. And I'll tell you the difference between watching a TV show with and without it, holy shit. I watched a TV oh, show bet. in the morning, the first morning that I took Ritalin. And I was like, I am super invested. It was a show that I, I'm already invested in. But I was like, I am sucked into this thing. I'm watching it, paying attention. I'm with these characters. And then the medication wears off after like three hours. And I can choose, like, do I need to continue taking it the rest of the day? Like, do I need to get shit done or can I just not? And then the and then I watched another episode later that evening without it. And I was like, I literally had to rewind the show like seven times. Because I was like, oh, I texted somebody, or I was thinking about soup, or I was like looking off in the distance, or my dog, and it was like, and I was just constantly like, shit, I missed something in the show. Let me rewind 30 seconds. Oh, shit, I missed what they were talking about again, and I have to rewind the same 30 seconds. So it's, it's, anyway, I'm excited for what this might do. I have not played a video game yet with Ritalin, and I'm thinking like, maybe this is why I don't enjoy reading, and I can't focus on reading, and maybe this is why I fell asleep during coffee talk. And maybe I can actually enjoy these games that I previously hadn't held my attention and hadn't done anything for me. Are you suggesting you're going to have good taste in video games now? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and and if you're one of those people who's like, yeah, right, it's not affecting your personality. I'm on Ritalin right now, bitches. I just took another one an hour and a half ago. So I'm still Hell the same yeah. old Chad. Like, when it, like I'm wearing adult diapers right now and you can't even tell. Oh, shit. So, Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm really into this. I'm excited to like continue to we're, my psychiatrist and I are still like playing around with dosage and figuring out what's the best dosage and timing and all that kind of stuff. So it's exciting for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see what that might do to how I play video games. And if you're somebody who's like, oh, I'm curious about it, like reach out to me on Twitter. I'm happy to talk more about my experience. Cause again, like 
I was honestly, I was like super nervous and kind of embarrassed to even think about going to get treatment for it because I grew up honestly with a mom who made fun of people who took medication. And I was like, mm, that's what I just assume people are who take medication now. So I'm glad I put that behind me and got help. It's cool. Get help, y'all. There's a lot of that in the early 90s and 80s and stuff. Yeah. It's like, medicine, what am I, a drug addict? <laughs> it's exactly. like you have IBS, you need it. <laughs> and there's a difference between medication like subscription pain medication for mm -hmm. uh, and and like balancing the chemicals in your brain like there's definitely a yeah, difference yeah. there like i understand the hesitance around taking prescription pain meds for certain things and the the challenge of getting addicted and all that kind of stuff but anyway cool shit and with that let's move on to our quest law well, what was the w the w it was wedding. wedding i thought oh, it was weed. Weed? continue uh, <laughs> continue um, the nerdy MMO comes to Xbox, comes from Blocker of Holden, Rebecca Valentine on IGN. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV. That's right. The game that came out a trillion years ago and got reborn into a new realm is at last coming to Xbox consoles. During Final Fantasy Fan Fest 2023, Phil Spencer made a surprise appearance at the end of the keynote to announce the news. He spoke about his own enjoyment of the game as well as the close collaboration between Xbox and Square Enix to make the game the best it can be on the console. The Xbox Series X and S versions of Final Fantasy XIV will come with faster loading and 4K support on the Xbox Series X. It is currently planned for release in spring of 2024. Open beta scheduled for patch 6.5, whatever that means. This means that the upcoming new expansion, Dawn Trail, which is like whenever you wake up in the morning and your happy trail is back, even though you buzzed it off the other day, will be is? playable. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Dawn Trail because it happens in the morning. Dawn, get it? It will be playable on Xbox when it launches in summer of 2024. Of course, the Xbox release will feature cross-platform play, meaning you can pick up your existing accounts on Xbox and play with others on PC and PS5. You will need to purchase a copy of the game separately on Xbox to play. Chad, as the yes. resident Final Fantasy aficionado, what's your level of experience with this game? Zero. Really? I have zero experience with... Here's the thing. This was a, a thing growing up as a kid, too, which is why I never played World of Warcraft. Anything that requires a subscription to play the game is something I've never dipped my toe into. Which is why I didn't even play Xbox Live much as a kid on regular Xbox, unless I got like a free code with something. So, I, uh, yeah, I do not have any experience with Final Fantasy 11 or 14, which are the two MMOs in the series. I played like a some total of like two hours of this game back in the day because me and a couple of the people on one of these secret discords I'm a part of were like, hey, man, maybe we should really get into Final <laughs> Fantasy 14. And I got into it, kind of enjoyed my time with it, but then everybody else moved on because we couldn't really decide what we all wanted to commit to. So I never played it much beyond that. The game you know looks good it seems like every like it seems like it's one of those games now that can't lose like every time they come out with a new expansion it's like oh yeah this is the best one yet this one has so much content to offer um but like i i don't see myself ever getting into it no i don't either it this is this is cool for me, honestly, well, actually, it's not cool for me because I already play on PlayStation where all this shit already lives. But it's cool to me that this is coming because they also kind of announced that, like, this is the start of a new partnership. And so I'm hoping that this means in the future we might end up with Final Fantasy VII Remake on Xbox. We might end up with Final Fantasy 16 
on Xbox uh, and maybe even future installments launching day and date so that a lot more people can actually play these games, which can be pretty cool. But Final Fantasy fourteen, always, I mean, it's a, it's a great step. And apparently that game is like fucking huge. People play the shit all the time. Like everyone, this is a That's very large life. player base for this. Yeah, yeah. I just don't have room I in my life for Destiny and another MMO. Yeah, multiple MMOs. I would say the last thing is because I, for those who play Fantasy Critic League, whenever you're drafting next year, maybe keep an eye out on Dawn Trail because those FF14 expansions review very well and are and draftable in a lot of the leagues. I actually had this one. It was unannounced FF14 uh, expansion, but now it got pushed to next year, so I had to drop it. But uh, keep an eye out for that. And of course, cool to have more games in more places. And of course, crossplay because it don't even bother if it doesn't have crossplay. Speaking of bad bets that Adam made, Adam may lose another bet. Tom Ivan at VGC says, Sony has announced August's first PlayStation Plus game catalog title. And I can tell you got this from a European site because there's a U in catalog. Yeah. Sabotage Studios' retro-inspired turn-based RPG, Sea of Stars, will join the subscription service at launch. Sea of Stars will be released on for PC, Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S on August 29th. This is a quote. Sea of Stars is a turn-based RPG inspired by the classics, according to the developer. It tells the story of two children of the solstice who will combine the powers of the sun and moon to perform eclipse magic, the only force capable of fending off the monstrous creations of the evil alchemist known as the Fleshmancer. Ugh. Unlike PlayStation Plus Essential Games, which are, you know, you get the free monthly games as part of PlayStation Plus, uh, game catalogs, downloadable PS4 and PS5 titles are only if you pay the extra and premium tier prices. This game is something that I honestly forgot existed and didn't even realize was a thing until I heard about it. I was listening to Easy Allies the other day and they're like, Sea of Stars is, I forget what they call it now. Like they, it used to be Pop-Tart and Poster Strudel. But is that so, how like, they talk Pop-Tart on that show? I, I've listened to some of their podcasts. Sea of Stars, sea of stars is yeah, one of the Michael best Huber games impression. ever. Sea of you Stars guys. is my Pop-Tart. I am so freaking pumped for this game. Now, it looks exactly like like this beautiful watercolor, like almost Chrono Trigger pixel art on it. It, it just, I'm looking at this game again and oh, then seeing what it is and the inspiration for it. Oh, this is game this the one from so the... Good. It's by the Messenger people. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is I, in I know the what this Messenger game is. universe, apparently, too. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's on every s- subscription service known to man as well. Yeah, it's also on it's, Game Pass as well as yeah. these tiers for PlayStation. Parappa the Rapper is going to show up at the end and be like, hey, oh boy. <laughs> are you ready to join the PlayStation All-Stars initiative? We got Anthony Mackie. He's already signed up. He's great. So, Adam, I know you're keeping track of this in your brain because you made the bet, but is this the very first one that's been announced day and date for extra and premium tier? No. So I need to, I need to go back and double check. I think my bet at the beginning of the year, I said that they weren't going to pay too much attention to... Last year was Stray. Stray was the only one that right. came into the extra tier. And I said this year there are going to be three or less, I think. I'll have to go back and listen to make sure. Yeah. I believe... If I'm doing my math Chia. right, Chia was one. This Chia, I think there's another one. So this is either two or three. So I'm right at that line where my bet's not going to count anymore. But it's fine because I think this is going to be one of the best indie games of the year. So that's cool. Everyone play this game for free if you have all of those services or just buy it because it looks awesome. Like it looks like Chrono Trigger, modern day Chrono Trigger. But I think we either doubled or tripled the amount that they did last year. So good on them for that's putting true. games day and date in there. So I, I know she is definitely one. I, I feel like there's another, and then this will be three, or maybe it's two. 
I oftentimes forget like what the fuck am I even paying the premium tier for versus extra and then I remember oh yeah it's the retro shit like it's all the classics that you can play with that one which includes just in time for the TV show this week Twisted Metal 1 and 2 for PlayStation both of which have a platinum trophy for the first time too <laughs> oh yeah the our... old Twisted Metals yeah yeah I saw yeah. that yeah 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 that wraps up our quest log and brings us to our segment from a segment from a Adam segment from a segment from a Adam. I know you. That was Peaches from Mario. Yes, I do. Baby, I love you. This week we're gonna do segment from Adam. We're talking about the best games of the month because it is the, literally the last day of the month as we're recording this. Number one on the list. A game for babies, Pikmin 4 <laughs> and an 87. No, I'm just playing. People like, I just don't like Pikmin because there's time limits and I can't stand that. But did, did you, 87. real quick, like, which Pikmin games did you play back in the day? I've played one in three, I want to say. Okay. I played Super Smash Bros and he was terrible in that game. Olimar's pretty good in that he, game. He's interesting. He's like... I feel like by like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Sakurai really figured out how to do those sorts of like gimmicky fighters. But I feel like he, Olimar was developed a little bit too early when they hadn't totally figured out like how do we make a different, quote unquote, different Smash Bros. character feel good. Anyways. All right. Next up is Oxenfree 2 at an 85. Ollie Oxenfree 2, that Netflix game. It's also well. I know it's free through oh, Netflix. Right. Is it a Netflix it's, game now? That's right. Yeah, they own the uh, Night School. Uh, number three, Viewfinder at eighty four. That's the game where you take the picture and put it in the real world and move around. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Remnant two at an eighty, which everyone is loving. Apparently, they're like super fun co op game. Shoot the bad guys. Mm, procedurally generated world. School mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Venba at an eighty, the game where you cook. And learn about that kid's back history, history backstory. That game came out today, I think. So, Adam, do you Maybe. think that us respawning fire people might be tangling with Venba at some point in the near future? Maybe so. Is it going to go on a potential barf pole? Absolutely. Not <gasps> a doubt. Ooh. Oh, you heard it here first. Chicken cheese, and tender biscuit. I am. Um, Oxen Free 2 is something that intrigues me. I played Oxen Free 1 and liked it a ton. Um, and it's it's a very like narrative, lots of talking kind of thing, too. So maybe now with Ritalin, this will be a good kind of test for me to see how, how much I can pay attention mm, yeah. to this game. But Remnant 2 is one that I really want to freaking play. But that's the game that I said a couple weeks ago as it was starting, as the reviews are starting to come out, that I texted the group as like, hey, let's all find each other in a future life and play this game together because we're never going to have time to. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I just don't have time to play it. I got Destiny. That's cool, though. I got Moonlighter. I got Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. Yeah, here we go. All the Final Fantasy saber. games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think for me, for... End of year stuff. Yeah, that's coming up. I think Oxen Free 2 for sure. And then, you know, if Venbo wins that poll. Venbo, uh, again, Pikmin, I'm sure it's good. I just don't care about Pikmin. Viewfinder, I've heard good things, but it's also like very short and I heard it does like it's better at the beginning than at the end and it's pretty short. So it's like, it's fine. I'm like, all right, I'll probably skip out. Uh, that's it for the month. Not super big. There's been some months where it's been like 10 things on this list, but this month, a little bit shorter. Totally honest. Yeah. I'm totally 
happy that things really slowed down. I, I loved, 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 loved visiting Europe. My one very, very selfish regret that I had to go to Europe is that I didn't get to spend time at home because it seems like this month was a really good month to just lounge out and like catch up on games that you wanted to catch up on yeah. earlier in the year. But maybe maybe that'll be that way in August as well. Yep, we'll see. Lots of good shit coming out towards the end of August and the beginning of September. Adam, you're talking... What is it, three days? Three days to Baldur's Gate 3? Mm, yeah, it's Thursday. Thursday evening or something oh, like that. Oh, shit. And then Adam's never going to be here ever again. Nope. I might show up in a daze once in a while, but probably not. That'll be my life. Well, that takes us to Game On Game Show. The Game On Our Game Show we play a game called Game On. The gaming show on our game show. Game, 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 game. We are playing another installment. <gasps> this one is called, Is Super Mario Bros. Good? So this is a, a game that we play every once in a while when there's something new coming out that we're like, hey, let's take a look back at the history of this franchise and see how it's traditionally scored to figure out if it's like, do people really like this or not? So this one, I was starting to think today about my... Like, what could dethrone Final Fantasy 16 as game of the year? And I was like, oh, that's right. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Is that the end of the title? Is it just Wonder? Is it Wonderment? Or one? I think it's just Wonder. So, like, that's coming out this year. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is that ever really a game of the year contender? 2D platforming Super Mario games? And so that got me thinking. Let's go back and look at the, the Metacritic of Super Mario Bros. Platform, 2D platformer mainline console games so, there are obviously a ton of super mario bros games so in order to keep it manageable we have uh six games here in the mainline super mario bros platformers 2d platformers on home consoles so this does not include like 2ds and or 3ds and and game boy games so we're going to go through these I have the Metacritic scores, or obviously lots of these games exist before Metacritic existed and review scores really existed. So for those, there are a lot of outlets like IGN and GameSpot and Game Informer that did like retroactive reviews of these games in the past, like in the early 2000s. And Wikipedia has an aggregate score on game rankings for those. So that's what I... So technically they are not pure Metacritic ratings, they are aggregates of retroactive reviews of these things. So keep that in mind as you're guessing. But I'm going to take you through these six. I'm going to tell you what game it is, where it launched, and what year, and you're just going to guess what did it score on Metacritic, and we'll see which of you is closest to figuring out how well these usually score. We're going to start with Adam, because he's leftmost on my screen. And Adam, we're going to start back in the early days on in 1985 with Super Wasn't Mario Bros. Mm -hmm. Not even alive. What nope. do you think the retroactive aggregate score on game rankings was of the future reviews going backwards 20 years and looking at this game? See, this is rough because it's like, obviously it was a huge game that helped like launch like an entire generation of video games. But like, what mm -hmm. would the reviews for that be, you know? Right, Um right. I'm just going to guess 90. I'm just going to just flat 90. We'll see how close we get. I don't know. All right. Alex, what's your guess? Adam literally took the answer right out of my mouth. Obviously, this game is... You can both guess 90. That's fine. I I incomparable no, in, in terms of its you know influence on the landscape of video games as we know it. But I feel like, I feel like back in the day, people would have been 
a little bit tough on it because, you know, there were a lot of other options back in the day on the NES of, you know, games of like similar levels of quality. I, I feel like people back in the day wouldn't have been like, well, we have to give this game a 10 out of 10 because of how influential it's going to be looked back on as being in the future. I'm going to go with a 91. 91. All right. The official aggregate score from Game Rankings 20 years in the future is 86. Okay. Mm. 86. Okay. So, Adam, you were closest with 90. So you are now mm -hmm. one point apart from each other. Alex, you can make up some ground here in round two with Super Mario Bros. 2. This is the U.S. release of Super Mario Bros. 2 in 1998. Sorry, 1988 on the NES. I'm going to go with a flat 81. That game obviously has a very particular reputation because it's a decent game, but it's also definitely not what people wanted coming off of Super Mario Bros. 1. But I also don't feel like back in the day, kids were smart enough to realize, huh, you replaced it with something completely different. It's a completely different Arabian themed <laughs> game. I don't think people were that tough on it. 81. All right. Adam? 83. And the official score is 81. Ooh, 81. There, you go. there you go. So, Alex, you have caught back up. You are now leading by one point. Adam, Super Mario Bros. 3 released in the same year, 1988, as really? Super Mario Bros. 2. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what do you think... <laughs> The 20 years later retroactive score looking back on this game was from GameRankings.com, the aggregate score from IGN, GameSpot, Game Informer, etc. I'm going to go better than two. Maybe one has such, so much nostalgia to it. I'm going to say 85. Alex, you're up. I'm going to go with a... I'm going to highball it a little bit. I'm going to go with a 92. 92. Well, I'll let you know that before I decided on using the game rankings aggregate score, I decided I would use the GBA remakes of these things as my, oh, my right. thing instead. The unfortunate thing was Super Mario Bros. 2 never came out as a GBA remake, so I couldn't do that. But the GBA remake of this game got a 94. Hmm. The aggregate game ranking score is a 98. Ooh. Making it an incredibly high game on the scale. Holy um, shit. <laughs> and Alex, you now just, your lead is pretty enormous right now. Uh, I mean, I feel like. Over Adam right now. If I can kind of like send some logic into that game receiving such great review scores back in the day, I think one, people were really happy to like be back to a traditional Mario experience after the deviation that was two. But I also feel like going into three, there was like a lot of hype. Super Mario Bros. 1, like, infamously kind of just showed up on store shelves in 1985. Like, people literally don't even know what the street date of that game was. Super Mario Bros. 2, again, there's the issue of it being kind of different. I feel like with 3, like, that was a game that people were actually anticipating and really looking forward to. And I feel like that probably contributed to it being as highly reviewed as it is. Two years later, 1990... Adam, Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. This one actually, from here on out, they mm -hmm. are actually Metacritic. These are actual Metacritic. Yep. I'm going to say 97 then. 
All right, Alex. I'm going to go with a 95. The Metacritic score for Super Mario World is 94. Ooh. 94. So very close, Alex. You are now 10 points ahead. Fast forward 16 years before we get our next home console 2D Mario platforming game with new Super Mario Bros. Wii on, in 2006 on the Nintendo Wii. Alex, what's your guess? Hmm. I, I remember back in the day that this game, uh, like, it, it was still during that period of time where, like, the idea of getting new 2D Mario games was, like, still fairly novel. We weren't all over it, but I remember this game having a lot of backlash surrounding it. It was, like, the one Wii game of note from Nintendo's first-party studios that came out like for the console that fall. I also remember people being a little bit miffed over the fact that like you couldn't play as Princess Peach or Daisy or any other like female characters. Instead, you had those like two generic toads and everyone was like, yeah, what's going on here? Hello. Um, as it stands, Hello. I remember the game being reviewed well, but I don't feel like it utterly just bedazzled critics. So I'm going to give it an 84. 84 from Alex Cozina. Adam, what you got? We're going to go with an 88 because that's two infinities next to each other. Nice. Or two pairs of boobs. Oh, for a couple of butts bumping. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the actual Metacritic score for Super new Super Mario Bros. Wii is an 87. Okay. So, Adam, you made up a little bit of ground there. You're now only eight points behind. Let's make that up here completely with your guess for 2012's New Super Mario Bros. U on the Nintendo Wii U. This is the final game in the 2D platforming game before Mario Bros. Wonder comes out. Uh, you people hate Wii U, so <laughs> that means... Uh, I'm going to... Fuck, it's definitely not as high. I'm going to say 84. All right, Alex? Weirdly enough, even though I feel like by that point people were really over the like new super mario bros aesthetic line of games i feel like that game actually reviewed better than the wii game i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna i'm gonna eye a 93 93 you all the final score for this entire game right now differs by one point shit there is one point difference. The Metacritic score for New Super Mario Bros. U is an 84. Meaning, the difference in points that Adam has is 23, beating Alex's by one point of 24. Uh, Lower wow. is better on this scale. So, Adam, you just cemented your victory there at the end huh. wow. with a guess of I, right on at 84. I guess, like, I feel like, I wonder if with Super Mario Bros. Wii U, it's like, it's a thing where, like, I feel like nowadays, in retrospect, everybody looks back on it fondly. You know what? The game was recently released on the Switch. Like, it was released on the Switch, like, a couple of years ago. I bet, like, that version of the game kind of messed with my mind. Because I remember that port of it being reviewed well. I remember a lot of people coming out of the woodwork being like, you know what? We kind of gave this one a bit, of a, a bit of a, you know, a, a poor impression first time around. This is actually pretty good. 
I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if the the switch port is like an eighty eight nine or an eighty eight or something Can you check like that. that chat? I would not be shocked. At I'm gonna check it up right now. Metacritic, new Super Mario Bros. Wii U Deluxe. What is the score for that <laughs> you game? You just gone Metacritic and make sure it isn't the one from the Wii U, but the Switch port. Did uh -huh. it get better? Let's see. <laughs> the score is an 80. Oh, oh really? It got worse. Wow. Okay. That's a little shocking. Incorrect. I, I thought yeah. it was definitely higher. In general, the average score of these 2D Mario platformers for home console comes to about an 88.3 repeating. Hmm. Adam, you were closest to that number with an 87.83 repeating. Alex, you were one whole digit above at 89.3 repeating. So generally, we were pretty close. I know yeah. we're going pretty long in the podcast. Can you take one more trip to Metacritic to check mm -hmm. the score for the DS, New Super Mario Bros. game? Because, like, I, I know that's not a... New Super Mario Bros. You want the first one or the, the second first one? one? The first one, the original okay. one, the one that kicked new off the Super new... Because even though Bros. that game's a mobile not mobile game even though that's a portable game i kind of consider mm -hmm. it part of the lineage of like the mainline 2d games because it was it kicked off that for fun yeah for fun this did go this came out actually this was three years before the wii version of the game so like this was right 2d mario mm -hmm. uh what do you guys think what do you guys think the ds game new super mario bros scored this won't factor into your scores, yeah i was but, gonna say 88 it is an 89 okay there we go. What do you think New Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS in 2012 did? I'm going to say 84. 86. Hmm, that's a 78. That's a stinker. Ooh, Certified wow. stinker. The, the, those scores are interesting because yeah. like, I, play, I played all the 2D New Super Mario Bros. games except for you. And like the, the first one on the DS, like it's cool that they brought 2D Mario back, but that game's a little bit it lacks that special sauce compared to a lot of the games that follow. Uh, the 3DS one, New Super Mario Bros. 2, the one with all the golden coins and gold stuff, that mm. one actually pretty solid, but I think people were just really not into it because that came out the same year as you, and I think people were like, all right, enough with the new aesthetic. We're, we're completely over this. Yeah, you're right. They did come out in the same year, 2012. And that's it for Game on Game Show, and that's it for episode 318 of Respawn Aim Fire. Thanks for everyone for listening. Here's a couple of announcements. One, get your homework on on patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Very shortly, we will be putting up, putting up is what I just said. We'll be putting up a poll for our next barf game. That's backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. It's where you tell us what game you want us to play during the month of August. That poll will go up. We will announce the winner of that poll uh, in, on Sunday, I believe, when we record yeah, the barf episode for Moonlighter. Uh, so go vote on patreon.com slash fire. Your vote counts a lot more there than it does on x.com or on xtube.com or on xvideos.com. So don't go to those places necessarily. But patreon.com slash fire is a place to go. You can also go there to get very shortly after you're hearing this on demand, probably in like the next day, a brand new episode of our RAF game shows, this one being uh, Pitch Perfect is the second installment that we did this month. We recorded this with Asa Gray, the five-star man, 
And it's not Asa. It's not Asa. It's not Asa. <laughs> but it is Asa. And I already forgot her name. I'm so sorry. Adam, will you Erica. who's the second guest? Who? Erica. Erica from Isle of Misfit Rolls. Uh, so go go check that one out on patreon.com slash respawning fire. That'll be exclusive there for the month of August. And if you're one of those people that just hates us and doesn't want to throw us any dollars, you get a free one that other people have been able to listen to starting on August 1st, the day this drops. Uh, that is the first installment of Pitch Perfect, the one with Trevor and the one with Mike. I was <laughs> Um The one that almost gave me a freaking aneurysm. Uh, go check that one out free on youtube.com slash at respawn name fire. And thank you, Alex, for being here as our rap regular, as always, if people want to see pictures from all your travels, what site have you done or where can people find your, your, your catalog of life? X is going to give it to you because if you go over to twitter.com, AKA X slash X, X is going to give it to you. You can find me over at. <laughs> Alex Gazina, A L E X K O Z I N A. Go search the same term on X videos, see what pops up. Maybe Alex has an OnlyFans. I don't know. I uh, don't Do have an know? OnlyFans, I'm but you never gonna know. Look. You never know. <laughs> Adam, is there something you want to promote too that's coming up that, or a place people can find you or like a show people should watch? Oh, um, same, same for the whole family? Yeah, no. Alamus uh, Rolls series finale is up. As a podcast and video. Uh, again, I'll be at PAX West. So anyone going to Seattle on Labor Day weekend, let me know. We can hang out, get drinks. Right. Yep. Um, do I do anything else? I'll be playing Baldur's Gate. Leave me alone. <laughs> and I'll be at Safeway in San Jose. Come see me here uh, on Friday at the grocery store. And uh, thank you so much, for everyone, for listening. Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. The trademark infringement suit, actually, in 1958... Putt-Putt mm. became the owner of several federal trademark registrations, and they have a, a, a series of establishments called Putt-Putt Fun Centers. The Motley Group LLC owned, franchised a Putt-Putt Fun Center, and then eventually stopped becoming a franchisee, decided not to pay their licensing. Another company took over Motley mm. Group LLC and continued to use the Putt-Putt Fun Center logo, signage, and character named Buster, who was a cartoon miniature <laughs> golf ball, without actually paying the, the or and being associated with the trademark of, of Putt-Putt Fun Centers. Um, and that was resolved in the early 2000s. So uh, Putt-Putt has been owned by them since 1958, and that has nothing to do with the game. <laughs>